Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening in to the Live as Lions podcast, where we are in pursuit to live life wild and free. On today's episode, we are going to talk about being stuck and how it feels like being in the belly of a whale. So if you know us a little bit and you've been to our concerts, you might have heard us once in a while talking about how when we're stuck, it feels like we're in the belly of a whale. And if you have been to one of our concerts, I'm sure you had the privilege to be part of a dozen people, a couple dozen people, thousands (laughs) of people. Uh, I mean, we have big audiences, you know, uh, to make whale noises, right? Yes, we we make our our listeners definitely fight for the next songs. Um, And we do that because, and we talk about that because it is something that we definitely, it resonated with us of how it feels to be stuck. So you guys might know the story of Jonah and the whale. It's in the Bible, it's in the Quran, it's in folk stories. It's it's a pretty well-known story in many cultures around the world. Um, But for those of you who don't know it, let us paraphrase this story so you have a little bit of a content of what we're talking about here. So there was a man named Jonah, and God asked Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh to help his people. So this city was really wild and out of control. It was chaotic. People were just doing a lot of crimes and terror, and God wanted Jonah to go there to help him. And Jonah said, nope, that is a really terrible idea. Nope. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't have time for that. I'm going to go somewhere else. And so he ran away from going to Nineveh. He got on a ship with a few other men, and they started going to a different place, and then a big storm came. And the men really felt like this storm was because of Jonah. And so they threw him over in the middle of the ocean. And when he was in the ocean, a big whale came and chewed him up and swallowed him up and put him in his belly. And Jonah stayed there for three days and three nights until he finally agreed to go to Nineveh. And then the whale came and spit him up. He got out and he walked on to Nineveh. And that is a really, really wild story. But for us, it really resonates with how we feel when we are stuck. We feel uncomfortable, we feel trapped, We feel like we're not in the right place and we don't know how to get out of it. And quite frankly, we feel disgusting. Like we are just not who we're supposed to be, kind of like how you would feel if you were in the belly of a whale. So today we're going to talk about our biggest season in our family of being stuck, what it felt like, why we got stuck, how we got out of it. And at the end, we're going to share some pretty big life-changing decisions that us as a family have decided and what we are going to be doing next. So Uli, why don't you share a little bit about our seven years of feeling stuck? Seven years. Oh my goodness. Hearing it like this, it sounds pathetic. It's like, who broke the mirror? You, you, you know that? Like if you break a mirror, what? it's seven years of bad luck. Oh yeah. Must be a German thing maybe. Oh. Is it? No, I know it too. All right. So that's how seven years looked like, you know, or, or this is how, how the story goes. We were in a small place, a uh, small village. Things were great. Work was going good. Relationships were fantastic. However, we felt it's time to upgrade. Upgrade. Uh, <laughs> level up and move to the big city mm-hmm. with the hopes of new options, new perspectives, new opportunities. Yep. So we did that. And nothing worked out. Nope. Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Everything started falling apart. One by one. Even in the beginning, we, we, we had to couch surf for six months in order to find an apartment. Thanks to all of our friends who let us sleep on their couch. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the, the goals we set for our, uh, our work, for our job, uh, for our project didn't work out. Uh, friendships and relationships started crumbling. Um, perspectives disappeared. Whoop! Suddenly gone, mm-hmm. and uh, things became really hard. And there was no fruit. I remember being uh, bored, being uninspired, be- feeling lonely, mm-hmm. and, and the worst thing was a lack of perspective. Yeah. 
living in a small village before that time in the city mm-hmm. was more attractive and more fun and more uh, just rewarding because I had perspective. So I didn't care if it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then coming to this big city that looks very attractive and sounds attractive, oh, there was no perspective. It made it a worse place to be in. Right. You know? However, hey, what a what a great time to decide to grow your family. And that's when we also decided in that season to start our adoption process. On today's episode, we're sponsoring our adoption agency, Small World Adoption. Small World is a family-led nonprofit adoption agency based out of Nashville, Tennessee, passionate about preserving and enhancing the lives of children at home and around the world. Small World is a Hague-accredited agency that serves domestic, international, and embryo adoptions. Uniquely, Small World also serves expat families living abroad who desire to adopt. That's actually how we found them. Small World helped our family be wild and free when we adopted our daughter from China. They fought for us to become a family and never gave up until our little lion was home safely in our arms. If you're looking for an agency that will treat you like family while you're growing your family, then go with an agency led by a family. Lions, check out smallworldadoption.com to help your family grow wild and free. Dimensions love small world. Yeah, so we, everything was just wild and crazy in our lives, but Building our family was something that was extremely important to us. And even though everything around us felt really unstable, we knew that was something that we needed to to do in this season. So here we are, an American and a German who really were passionate about international adoption. And we thought, how on earth are we going to do this? So we live in Germany and we contacted our local child services in order to figure out how do you do an adoption? And... Basically, we were told that for us, the best situation would be if we could actually work with an American adoption agency. Um, There's many reasons for that, but the main reason was that I'm an American. America has a really um, great system for international adoption, and it would just be a lot easier than working with Germany. This is what Germany told us. And so we found... We we were like, oh, really? That's an option? Great. We didn't know that was an option. That's wonderful. Um, So we ended up finding a wonderful adoption agency that works with expats abroad. Um, They told us they've, you know, been doing this for many years. It was no problem. And we eventually ended up doing our adoption with them, our China adoption for our daughter. And what happened was... Once all of the, everything was finalized with the adoption, um, we had been matched. We had, if you know what a dossier is, our dossier was approved and we were basically just waiting for the travel date. We were I was con- getting ready. I was like, okay, what do I need? <laughs> I need to. Whatever. My- you don't get ready get- for travel until it's like 48 hours before. <laughs> I need to get my nice pants. I need to get my, <laughs> my nice, nice shirt. <laughs> Maybe I should go to the hairdresser before relief so oh my, my i went to the hairdresser the before we left of me and they ruined my hair and i was totally <laughs> crying do you remember that yeah and then i just said nope i'm not going i was like my daughter's <laughs> not gonna love me because my hair is ugly anyways back on track so it was right before it was i don't know it was like maybe like a few weeks before we were leaving to go to china and we got this letter from germany that basically said what are you doing you're you're doing an international adoption. Yeah, because I asked, hey, guys, um, so remember our, our conversation? Um, we're now kind of at this point where things are getting real. Um, shall we talk about what's next in the process? For the immigration on the, the German side. For yeah. you know, uh, so cool, isn't it? And then, yeah, we got the response like, uh, what are you doing? Mr. Manchin, what you doing? Hold your horses. Um, this is not how it works. Right. And so we responded back with, you know, obviously confusion because this is what we were directed to do. And there was, and we said, so what do we do now? And there was literally no response. And so we ended up deciding to... You know, that because that's that's unfortunately um, what was chosen. Yeah, like, unfortunately, that's, that's the method that was chosen by, um, in our scenario, like, okay... Um, Let's just not respond and see what happens. Right. There was no no direction, no response of what we were supposed to do now. 
So in that moment, our adoption agency recommended that we would just fly directly back to the United States um, and that we would be able to finalize the citizenship there for the U.S. and then go back to Germany and apply for citizenship. The problem then was that it, that would require us having to live in the United States for an unforeseen amount of time. It could have been three months. It could have been eight months. It could have been a year. We didn't know until the citizenship was over. For the, pro the processing for the process. of the citizenship. So once once you, you come back, right? Right. Uh, let's say we, we would have gone directly from China to the States. The process would have started by crossing the border. And from that moment on, it could take up to eight, 12 months. Right. No, nobody really can tell you in advance how long it will take, but you know, it might be able, it might it might take a long time. Right, and yeah. at that point, I mean, Uli, Uli didn't have a German, uh, sorry, a green card, and we didn't know if we would be separated as a family, and it just felt really, really risky for us to just... I already saw myself, oh, okay you and our new daughter going to stay in the States and I going to hop over to um, an island, <laughs> make some vacation, <laughs> then come back to the States. You're supposed to be the realist and I'm supposed to be the idealist <laughs> in this relationship. But no, you were definitely yeah, needless, not like needless, that. Needless to say, yes. Due to that, <laughs> me being the realist, I was like, nope. not like This isn't going to happen. This is not going to happen, you know. So we ended up contacting the German embassy in China and they told us we had everything we needed in order to take our daughter back to Germany and to get her citizenship. We had a good and lawful Hague international adoption and there was absolutely no reason why she was not going to become a German citizen since her father was, was German. And so... We made the decision based off that information after China, after we picked up our daughter to come back to Germany. So we brought her home. It was a wonderful travel home back. We got into the country. Everything was fine. We came back. We were totally, you know, settling and, and uh, cocooning, as they say, in, in the adoption nesting. world. We were nesting. And it was just a wonderful time. We, were, we could just breathe. We thought... She's home. She's here. Maybe this is, you know, our, this is us feeling not stuck anymore. This is our new chapter in our lives. And we felt like this was it. But it was Christmas. There was hot glue vine. There was uh, <laughs> pre presents. It was a really, really sweet time. But then soon after that, I remember you were still feeling just uneasy. You were feeling like, no, I still just don't feel like we're in the right place and I don't know what's going on. And Uli, you know, the thing with us is that we really know how to support each other when we're going through things. And one of the things that I always encourage Uli to do when I feel like he's having a bad day or as he's wrestling with something, I just look at him and I point and I say, go to the forest. And that basically means just go. Take whatever it is. Get out of my hair. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. But take whatever it is that you're wrestling with and go to the forest and process it and deal with it. So, Uli, I sent you into the forest. And then what happened? Um, yeah, I'm a lot in the forest. So um, I, I, that's just for me the place where I can think, you know, mm. just being surrounded by nature, being by myself. That's where I feel like. I can I can process I can think I can um, I, um, meditate. This is also the a play. Uh, this is a spiritual place for me. You know that's where I feel like this is kind of like my church. And here I have the best reception. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I go a lot on walks. And I always tell Liz like if you really want to get some answers out of me, let's go on a walk. And if I want to get answers out of myself, I do the same. Hmm. So I went on a walk and I remember, my goodness, I was frustrated. I was like, I was restless. I was frustrated. I was, uh, I was mad that I had to, because I knew there was still a process coming with 
the the whole German side of the adoption, you know, and I was just frustrated that this was that this that this came to to this point. Um, I understood there was some misunderstanding on both sides that um, just you know brought us to this point. However, I I was just mad. I was I didn't want to be in this situation. Right. Yeah. And it also just felt like after a long time feeling stuck in this in this season in the whale mm. in this stinky wet moist fish. Oh yeah. gosh. <clears throat> you said moist. Yeah. Half our audience is cringing uh, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um it's just um on top of it this is now also affected by it you know this 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 precious um adoption process and i remember i walked through the woods on a fast pace and i was like man like why are we stuck in a whale why does it feel like we're stuck in a whale and we're trying and we we are just giving our best and we're not short of ideas and now now this happened i'm so done with this and suddenly another question came up in my mind and it, it was well why don't you ask what was nineveh so instead of why am i stuck in a whale you know to to be to come from a different perspective and say, well, what was Nineveh in the first place that I said no to? If I go back into the story of Jonah, uh, because I don't, I, I remember uh, processing this out loud. I don't even remember there was a Nineveh, yeah, and I don't even remember I had the opportunity to go somewhere or not. So let's forget about the whale for a second and talk about what the heck was Nineveh supposed to be? Mm. Uh, and even though I, I didn't know the answer to this, just the perspective of asking this, this question and coming from a different perspective got me excited. And I went, I, I, I walked home and uh, I, I brought that question to you. I was like, I, you know, Liz, uh, so I just had a, a very interesting shift in perspective and this question came up in my mind what do you think about this i re i remember when you said that like what was nineveh i was like oh shoot and i just remember this cringe in my body of going there was something very important about that question and exactly just like the perspective shift of we've been so focused on why are we in a whale? Why us? Why are we trapped right, in like here? Right, like this victim, right, this right, victim like, oh, mentality. Why, why did the whale swallow me? Like, right. Couldn't he have swallowed somebody else? else, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's not fair. And um, But we never, yeah. we never asked the, the, yeah, the where. I guess like, we where were, too, were we supposed to go? We, yeah, we were too... Uh, obsessed with the like the, our circumstances like we why were too yeah. too uh busy just wrestling or being in this whale instead of just like taking a step away and be like okay cool whale w stuck we're in it now what but wh where did this even start mm -hmm. you know yeah and i so in that time that's where we got together i think we for a a week we committed every night for like after we put put our daughter to bed for like two hours we would just talk and wrestle and pray and process stuff and in that time we realized that over and over and over again of like the past seven years we were either asked or encouraged to go to the united states there was multiple opportunities where for work that we were asked to come back because of the adoption we were encouraged to go back um for, for family reasons for family reasons and over and over again we said no we 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 were really disciplined in saying no no yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i and, didn't even notice it back like back then i i, I didn't notice that i was very 
it wasn't like a conscious we're saying no to the United States, yeah. but I think we realized in that moment over and over again how often it was presented to us to go there. Yeah. And that was a really, really wild week of just realizing that. And so we'll come back to the the why we ended up, you know, staying and not going in a second. But let's come back to our timeline and our story. So right after that, we basically realized it was like, okay, I think I think we need to go to the United States, but we weren't ready to really commit to that. And then soon after Basically, the German government came after our family. Um, we were notified that the Jugendamt, which is like the local child services um, in our state, were very, very concerned about our adoption, believing that we had done an illegal adoption. Um, well, actually, I I didn't realize that till much later in the process. Right. I thought That's they were going to pay us a nice visit to help <laughs> us uh, to figure out... Uh, the, the immigration. That's how the they presented it first. Yeah, they that, said... That's how it was because I asked, hey, guys, how about a uh, citizenship because the visa that we are... that allowed our daughter at that point to be in the country is about to expire. Right. So... Where are we at? And then we got a nice letter and, and a visit. And we were excited that something is moving. But little did we know, well, this was actually a... A spy a coming in. No, it was a parallel <laughs> process that happened. Right. Uh, but out of a total different reason that we found out later. Right. So basically, they... Essentially, what happened was... That original email that we got before we went to China, that office basically came back at us and said, you disobeyed what we the instruction which we told you to stop this adoption. You did it anyways. And so now we're going to come at, after you. Now, again, we didn't because, do... Because there was a child in the country that was adopted and Germany didn't know about it. Right. So they ended up coming and saying, we need to take this to court. We need to have a judge involved to decide if whether or not this is a good and lawful adoption. And at this point, we started freaking out and we didn't understand what was going on. And so we, of course, involved a lawyer on the German side who was looking at this and going, what on earth? This is insane. You have done nothing wrong. You've done everything right in your adoption and we can easily you know, prove this in court, but then the U.S. side, who we were in the process of finalizing the citizenship, was also freaking out. Because at this point, Bo, our daughter, Bobe, that's her name, um, she was considered in process for citizenship, which means she was, she was adopted through an, an American agency. So she was basically um, already considered a U.S. citizen. And this freaked everybody out on that side. And it actually got to the point where uh, U.S. senators were involved. Washington was involved. We had um, so many people that were contacting Germany saying, hey, this is this. You can't do this like you cannot, you know, come after this kid. And Germany basically said, yes, we can. And now we're actually going to take this family to court um, and fight for the guardianship over their daughter. And at that point, the U.S. was telling us, get on a flight and... Get out of there. Get, get out the of chopper. there. <laughs> they were like, we want you to pack up and just come, you know, come to the U.S. Don't let them take your daughter. And it was, I mean, it was just wild. Absolutely just insane. And so we, we ended up... Um, which, 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 if I may uh, put in here, like it was understandable where Germany came from. Sure. Because from their perspective, suddenly there was a adoptive uh, adopted child in the country that nobody knew about. Uh, the child didn't have anything that allowed the child to be there. So all that makes sense. But we just followed what we were always told. 
Right. Yeah. And the issue was there was a, a wrong information that brought us on a on on a rabbit trail that just wasn't the right one. And so down the road suddenly they pulled the handbrake saying, Wait a second, that's not how it works. While we were like, What are you talking about? She's already here, mm-hmm. yeah, more or less. Um, that's not a good enough answer. So what do we do now? It was more like, Oh no, Armageddon. Uh this should have never happened. We have a case here that we are not uh, like we have a, r- a round shape here that doesn't fit in a in a round hole. What are we gonna do? This should have never happened. Therefore, um, it it almost felt like everything was out of control. You know, like right. we don't know what to do with this. This should have never happened. Okay, but it did happen. What do we do now? Well, we don't know. Well, good, we need to figure it out. No, this is not. You know, it, yeah. it felt like okay. Let, let's figure it out. Let's work it out. That's where do we go from here? But it was a lot like um, almost uh, fighting that this is reality. No, this this is already the case. This is not a scenario that can be um, try again or go go back and do it again. It, it's already too late for that. Yeah. And so we were in this really, really tricky situation where the U.S. was telling us to flee the country go to the United States, which is, again, it was coming back to, you know, is that our Nineveh? And our lawyer was telling us, don't you dare leave the country in the middle of, of court. And so we chose to listen to our our lawyer. And we, and we also felt like running away is not like that is not. That wasn't going to be a good decision. Right. right. So <laughs> we went to court. Most terrifying day ever. They made our daughter testify, um, and she had no idea what was going on. She was barely speaking any English or German at that time and was so confused. Um, And in the end, we won. We won the, the guardianship, but we didn't win the citizenship. We still haven't won the citizenship, which so what that means is that our daughter, they recognize that, you know, we are her parents, but they didn't decide to give the citizenship. But for us, it was a huge win. And at at the end, you know, th- that we at least had the, the guardianship. And at the end, I remember, it, you know, it, it took a little while, but they we finally had to like come back into the courts and to to get the approval for the guardianship. And... Everyone in our families, our closest friends were, you know, everyone was rooting for us and praying for us and texting us. And then um, I remember, yeah, that afternoon we sent a text home to our families. Hey, we won the guardianship. And everyone was so excited. My mom and my dad and my sister, they were all just so just relieved. Um, And I remember us just thinking, oh, what a relief. Like everything is okay. And then that evening, um, very early in the morning, I got a call from my sister that my father had passed away. And it was unbelievably shocking and terrifying and all the feelings that come with grief. Um, But I remember right after that, the guilt (laughs) was so enormous do you remember that just Mm -hmm. just feeling like oh maybe we should have gone we should have gone you know yeah dang we missed that train um that's now the consequence you know and that's how it felt it was it was awful it was just gut-wrenching and and i think in that time is when we just we knew we had to say yes to going to the united states And in that moment that we finally said yes to going, I just remember there was this incredible peace that came over us, even though there was still tons of fear. And that was that's a a lot of a lot of worries. Yeah, a a lot of uh, questions that um, that kind of were were bringing yeah worries uh, some fear you know concerns 
Right. And so we there we were and, and we we knew that we were supposed to go, but it was still there was just still so many fears and questions and, and wondering what would it was that we were supposed to do. And something that's also really important to understand is that through this whole time, we were actually wanting to pursue as soon as possible a second adoption. And once we had won the guardianship, then <laughs> this is absolutely where we are, romantic idealists. We wrote back the same people who took us to court, who we would need their help to do a second adoption and said, so could we try this again, guys, and do it together and do a second adoption. And now we can like, we know now what not to do. And we can like be friends and do it all together. And what did they say, Uli? Yeah, I, re- I, mean, I remember there. It was like, hey, so since we're cool and you're cool and we figured this all out, hey, oh, great. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go for round two, right? Right. And uh, they were like, nope. 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 <laughs> it was a strong nope yeah. from a lawyer signed with a big stamp. So a big nine. So in that nine, moment, nine. it was also for us knowing if we stayed here, our daughter wouldn't have citizenship. It would constantly be a battle for her visa and we wouldn't be able to grow our family. I and mean, we, yeah, we got a clear... We got a clear question. Hey, uh, you guys either want to stay in Germany or you guys want to go ahead with that second adoption. Right. Yeah. And and so through all of this, we knew, again, okay, we got to go. But like we said, the, the there was peace, but there was still a lot of worries. There was a lot of fear. And I think that's always, for me, that's always a really good indication of, you know, you're on the right path. But that doesn't mean that everything is, is feels okay yet. And you still need to work through stuff and you still need to, to, to figure out where it is that you're, you're struggling with, with your, your worries and your fears. So Uli, what was it for you when thinking about just going to the United States? What, was, what were your biggest fears? I, I would say my biggest fear was not being able to provide for my family um, living in Germany and knowing the structure, knowing um, what is needed, how things work, how, um, how do uh, legal things look like, how do business things look like, um, just being used to this structure and the system that I'm living in uh, and leaving that uh, without having a clue yet how it works in the states that was scary right you know because with that it was also well um are we going to be able to have enough finances in the states you know are we going to be able to figure out health insurance or other insurances and and who knows what you know all these things that are come with moving to another that country. come with moving to another state right. uh, country and 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 all the things that we have on autopilot in the country we lived in for so long you know yeah for i think for me it was well you guys have to understand that at the time in which we were saying yes to moving to the u.s the u.s felt so much like a real life Nineveh at that time i mean this is you know it was end of 2020 so there was you know there's covid there's a pandemic going on doing an international move in the middle of a pandemic doesn't sound like a great idea there was protests going on for black lives matters there was protests going on in the capital it was it is still out of control and i remember when we were telling people in the in the u.s like our our family who has been (laughs) longing for us to come home for so long our closest friends um you know people from both political parties were writing us and going, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to come home right now? Are you sure you don't want to stay in sweet, old, comfortable, safe Germany? Good old Germany. Where everything is taken care of and everything is okay. And we were, it was super hard to explain why on earth we would be going back, except for that we just knew 
Plus my family being like, are you sure? It's like, yeah. A lot of tears. Not not sure, but sure. Yeah, Yeah, not sure, but sure. (laughs) So there we were. And and then my biggest fear, and I have to to just share this part, is was separation again. Like I said, at this point, um, Lily didn't have a green card. And I remember we were sitting there one night and we were talking and we, we often do this. We'd like to sit and identify our fears, naming our fears, naming, um, you know, just how we're feeling and being able to identify them in order to conquer them. And I remember saying my biggest fear is separation. I mean, here we were, we just brought our daughter home. She was being threatened, um, you know, guardianship on her from somebody else. And I was just so scared that we would move and we wouldn't be able to to stay. And at that time, we were getting information that, yeah, of course, Uli can get a, a you know green card because he's married to a U.S. citizen. However, it could take up to 18 months. And in that time, he might not be able to work. And you guys might, you know, either you need to stay in Germany and get it before you can come or you need to be landlocked in the U.S. It was just, it was a nightmare. And I remember just sitting there going, that's my biggest fear. And then this little question popped into my head. And for me, I believe it was it was God asking me that if if I could provide a green card for you tomorrow, how would that make you feel? And I immediately Such said a good coach. Yeah, what a good coach. I mem- <laughs> immediately said free, I would feel so free to be able to just go. Well, the next day, I actually had to call the US embassy here in Germany to update them on our daughter's case and they said well what are you planning to do now and I said well because you know of all the situation we've actually decided we need to go back to the states and they said okay then we need to get Uli a green card and I said well yeah he needs to get a green card and and they said well because of everything you guys have been through this is actually considered emergency and we're going to expedite that when do you need it yeah when yeah, do you need it question. by and it was I mean within like two and a half months, Mm. we had that green card in your hand. And that was just unbelievably wild. Um, and, and, And from there, just so many things started to fall in place. Uli, what else started to fall in place? What else was provided for us in that time once we said yes? Yeah, like the this visa was a big one or the green card, you know, that was definitely um, the, the, the biggest surprise. Um, but then there, w- there were also resources like our community came around us and helped us. We were offered a landing place in the US where we can arrive and first get adjusted. Uh, we were getting help with our stuff. You know, how do we get our container? Was our provided container for, was provided yeah. for us. You mm-hmm. know, how do we like we had so much our shipping container, sorry, uh, yeah. stuff accumulated over the years. We had to decide: are we, are we going to sell everything? Are we going to leave it? Or are, are we able to take some? And yeah, we were able to all the things that are dear to us. We we were able to take with us. Right. Yeah. I think just one by one, a lot of the the logistical things like health insurance and where you're going to land and car and you know, just all the stuff that just making a quick decision to move internationally, like those are not easy things to to bring together. And mm. one by one, we've seen all of them being taken care of and provided for. And I think more than anything, it was just a really great indication for us that I think we're on the, the right track. Mm. But, yeah, and, and, and just to say with that, it's not that everything just, you know, it some things really opened up, some things suddenly were attractive to pursuit so it's not necessarily that everything just fell from the sky you know it was also at least for for me that a lot of energy was suddenly available for me like almost like released you know Mm. because i got so excited about Mm. getting on being unstuck getting unstuck you know and pursuing um a, a a path that opens up new perspectives again you know Right. And also the perspective of, okay, this is a great opportunity for us as a family, for, for Bobe. Um, this is safe. This is healthy, you know. And, and I think out of this also, a lot of energy was released to, to dig into these uncomfortable things like, okay, we need to figure out health insurance. Okay, we need to figure out uh, moving, you know. And, and as we 
went on that journey, I feel like more and more resources were released and doors opened up for us. You know, lights went on green go. And and um, this was, yeah, again, this is our story. This is how we experienced it. Mm -hmm. And it might not always be that suddenly everything aligns. But I do believe that when, when, when you are getting unstuck, that you suddenly feel this new wave of energy, like a fresh wind in your sails that helps you to go onward forward, you know? Right. Which is kind of where we want to like shift into, which is the understanding the why we got stuck, why others might, in, you know, get stuck themselves and how we felt like we made the decision to get unstuck. So why... Were we stuck for so long? People listening to this going, seven years, seven years guys. What the heck is wrong with you? What <laughs> is going on? Yeah. Why Why was it so long for us? Um, there are many layers to this question or to the answer to this question. Let's say it this way. I would say from the top of my head, I would say, well, we set out to establish a new chapter for our career and we set out to 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 scale and to yeah like it's one up you know one one level higher and we set out to do that and that failed right it didn't work and instead of accepting failure um we buckled down and did everything just in order to save what failed. And instead of admitting, well, this didn't work and allowing us to say, that's okay. Where do we go from here? You know, or let's take a step back or a big thing didn't work. Let's take it serious and take also a big step back and some time off to reassess, you know, we, I jumped into um, survival mode. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, no, this, this cannot happen. This is, this is not happening. Um, I will fix this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not I will over not yet. Let the yeah. ship yeah. sink. This is, we didn't lose this. We can still win. Mm -hmm. Um, we just need to like you know buckle up and and comes hell or high water we will get through this and i think it yeah that was that was a big part for me to not accept failure and not to be okay with with failure but to just be like no um this this cannot be this needs to be a success and to beat myself up in the process of just trying to keep something alive that's dead Right. You know, and uh, very, we're very stubborn people. We, <laughs> we can be very <laughs> stubborn people. Yeah. What, what did you say the other day? We're like pit bulls. It's like, yeah, I felt like I was, you know, when a pit bull bites, the, the, the dangerous thing about that is that he doesn't release the bite. It just, it's it locks, mm -hmm. you know. The jaws lock. And so that's why pit bulls are kind of feared because when a pit bull bites you, that's, that's it. Like, you, you won't get him off your hand or arm or limp, you know? And I, I, I felt a little bit like that in this process that I kind of bit into this idea or this goal mm -hmm. and the goal wasn't there anymore. Right. But I also didn't release. I was just, and, and in a way, you know, culturally coming from Germany, where efficiency is being rewarded mm -hmm. and um, failure is not accepted. Failure is not accepted that much. You know, you, you really don't really talk about it. You don't really talk about your emotions. There's it's, it's about the outcome of your actions. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think um, that was just a very unhealthy position to be in because uh, it didn't allow me, to take care of the important things that I needed in this moment of time, you know? Absolutely. I, th I think I think coming back to the Nineveh part, 
I think, like we said before, we, we weren't really consciously making a decision knowing we're supposed to go to the U.S. and deciding not to go. But I think the red thread for us of why we were stuck so long was we were really, really passionate and we are so passionate about the work that we're doing and, and who we are and, and, and you know, our, our vision for, for our lives and what we want. But we were not in the right place. Mm-hmm. We were like, we had the best seeds and we were putting it in the wrong soil. And no matter how much we continue to tend to that soil and nurture that soil and fight for that soil, it just was not going to grow our plants, our seeds. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the last conversations that we had with my dad was about this. And I basically came to him and I said, man, I just feel like we're failing and nothing is working and I don't know what more to do. I think we just need to give up. And And he said, you know, have you ever been to a really, really beautiful theater? You know, you walk in and there's just the red velvet curtains and maybe there's, you know, gold on the wall and the most comfortable seats and the lighting is beautiful and the ambiance is just spectacular. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I've been been to beautiful theaters. And he said, right. Would you ever go to a beautiful theater if there wasn't a play that you wanted to see? And I said, no. And he said, you guys have an incredible play, but you have been focusing on the theater. You've been focusing so much on where you're, you are and making it work in this place and that you haven't been putting all your time and your effort into your play and your play is spectacular and focus on your play and I think in that moment we realized that all of our energy our resources and everything was going into making it work in this place and not into our play and not into Mm, what it is that we wanted to be doing and and the things that were you know bringing some fruit were not the things that we're really passionate about yeah, it wasn't that we didn't have appetite for that fruit, right? And it was like, I remember um, a lot of energy, time, money went into establishing the theater. And then you had the most beautiful theater and you're like, okay, so what's next? Right. And then, uh, okay, what are we going to do now inside the theater? And it, the, it uh, there is a lot of talent and a lot of skills and ideas and and we were never short of um coming up with ideas and strategies for the content for the for the play but we totally neglected also just bringing it together and making it work you know so and I think just and, all but of it, that. But again, I think that came out of this survival mode. You know, this needs to work. This right. needs to work. Forcing I need to, I need to, to see yeah. something that is l- looking legit or I need to establish something that I can hold on to that gives me um, a foundation or uh, that, that kind of catches me, you know. And so building a theater that looks great, that feels great. But we, it would have been better to say actually what what gives me my essence is the play, mm. and uh, I am actually the play. You know, right. like I am the I'm the essence of the play. I need to take care of that first. And I think that brings us to how we feel about the states now is like understanding how those feelings, how that season felt, and and that our focus is not really on on the place but it's it's what it is that we're doing and and who we are as as a family but what made what got us unstuck you know what thinking back of that time where i went into the the forest and i was i was frustrated i was mad and i changed my question from why i'm why am i in the in the whale which is coming out of the perspective of a victim hmm. towards um well what was Nineveh in the first place right you know how'd I get off track I think that was when I feel like I hit rock bottom when it came to ideas um what can I do what what where do we go and and mm. what needs to happen you know mm-hmm. and I think this place of hi- hitting rock bottom forced me to get out of my 
comfort but also out of this position of being the victim of being like you know what i'm to i'm so over this w w like what's the what's the dang Nineveh, you yeah. know and, but i think it was that that you just snap out of this um this position of being the victim because it also got so you i got so used to it you know right it's not that it ever was comfortable but it's it's somehow I think I started just believing in it. Well, I guess that's just how it is. I guess that's just uh, how how it is to pioneer and uh, be an entrepreneur and start something and try something. I guess that's just part of life. It's no fun at all, but I guess that's just how it is. And that's, that's uh, yeah, that's, I think, what was the point where I hit rock bottom. I was like, okay, uh, I'm done here, you know, yeah. I think I think for me it was being a mother mm. and not wanting the what we have experienced for our daughter to feel that way and also wanting her to thrive and to be in an environment where she could be all of who she is and and pursue what it is that she wanted and and to just be free and wild and I realized that I was so willing to go to the ends of the earth to make that happen for her and I wasn't willing to do it for myself. And it was this very deep revelation, painful revelation that I really didn't feel like I was deserving to get out of the belly of the whale. That, like you said, like you just get so used to being stuck and, and being in this uncomfortable place and that this is what life has given you and this is how, you know, you've just got to make the best out of it. And although it's you're in the pit of a whale and it's gross and it's disgusting, you can put some, you know, wallpaper up and nice little lamp and get cozy on in there and you'll be fine. And I realized that how could I raise my daughter to believe that she was deserving of getting everything that, you know, to, to having the life that she wanted um, and being in a safe environment and a healthy environment and, and an environment that championed her when I wasn't able to do it for myself. And I think that was really what made me go, no, this is not how I want to be. This is not how the mother I want to be. This is not how I want to raise her. And for me, that was how I think that, I came unstuck and said yes to going. Um, so how can somebody else become unstuck? This is our story. This is our very personal story. And this is our journey of how we experienced being stuck in the belly of a whale. But so many of you have your stories of being stuck and um, what it's done to you. And I hope that for many of you, it was more of a three-day journey than a seven-year journey. But yeah, what would you say? What is it? What does it mean to get unstuck? And how does someone become unstuck? My my lesson that I learned was the only person who can get me unstuck is me. Yeah. Um, not waiting for somebody else to get me out of there, uh, but leaving this position of i'm the victim you know or i am yeah the the circums i can't change the circumstances or oh how unfortunate but to like the, the only person that can start this process of getting unstuck that's me and if it's me asking for help you know or if it's me asking changing the questions that i'm asking and uh changing my perspective um or making uh, some calls for more information, you know, or asking for yeah, asking for help. So that's what I learned in this process. Actually, it needed, like, I was the only one who could have gotten me unstuck. Yeah, I even even if I bring it back to the to a spiritual level, you know, is where I'm like, well, I believe um, God can get you unstuck but i think you need to be the first one who takes the first step you know mm -hmm. i don't think it's just gonna happen right by you being um like a little child ah, i need help uh, i'm stuck life is hard uh, sorry this is my impersonation of myself as a little as kid a i guess <laughs> um 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, that's that's what I learned in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's it's only us who can who can get ourselves unstuck, and I think it's part of all. It's also just accepting. The, the accepting of closing one season before you can really accept the next one, the, the next journey. It's accepting the failures. It's accepting the grief. It's accepting everything. To be okay with, with, yeah, with, with yeah. what happened. And I yeah. feel like that for us is something that we really gained out of this time is going is really like, yeah, we, there was some areas that were so beautiful and so great in this season and, treasures and relationships that came out of it absolutely i hope that like that some of our deep like our dear friends who are listening to this going well, what about me but well, they were they were the ones who kept us they were our reasons alive you know a big reason to stay <laughs> but but i think it's it's really going an overall feeling of that season is this and i don't have to to make that season anything else to justify it. Yeah, I can just yeah. let it lie. I can yeah. let it be. That's what it was because the next season that I'm going to walk into, I'm, I'm trusting that it's going to be something different, but you got to close that one season before you can transition into the next one. Mm. And I think that's where just the, yeah, the healing and, and letting it go before we can move on to the next one. And, and also I think, in our case, we had, you know, it's a step that most people can, most people cannot understand. Like, why would you go from here to there? That doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. And, but at the, at the same time for us, it felt, feels, felt like this is it. There is no other. This is where the track we need to go on. Uh, yeah. Other option. This is it. And we are excited about it, you know? Right. Liz, uh, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned from being stuck in this whale? Perspective. I mean, I think when I when I take it back to Jonah and and Nineveh, I think of what he must have been feeling from the point of being thrown overboard, and these guys threw me into the water, and then a whale comes and you know swallows me up. And you constantly are thinking, oh, why is this happening to me? And all of these things that are going on in your life, that's the constant question of like, why me? Why me? And when you realize that you're in this whale until you get back on track, suddenly the whale in a way becomes safe. And a blessing because it's it's keeping you where you're supposed to be until you get to where you need to be and i think that for me i started looking at everything that i had been really frustrated about in the, the years before why didn't they work why didn't they why wasn't this happening i'm giving so much why isn't it working i have great seeds but the soil isn't taking it why and realizing it's just it was the it wasn't the seeds it was the soil and that all the things, and I was so thankful that all these things happened because they were they were happening to get me right back on on track, mm. and that's a really really difficult perspective to have when you're in it. But when you start coming out of it and you realize, oh, I'm so thankful that my you know my my plant didn't grow there or this didn't happen there because I wasn't really supposed to be there. Um, you're thankful that you are in the belly of the whale. And that also made me realize that no matter how off track I get, I can always come back. Mm. No matter how stuck I feel in my life, mm. there is always a season to be spit back out, dust myself off, yeah. and get back on the path where I'm supposed to be. And I hope that we don't ever experience another seven years of that, but... I think now knowing what it feels like, f just knowing how to move forward and being quicker to make decisions of going, okay, this doesn't feel right. I think we're off track. I think we're getting stuck and getting back in there. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, I think everything that you mentioned and, and has been mentioned before, but also, um, you know, right now I would say, well, I rather wrestle with the uncomfortable consequences of uh, change you know and and really take the time to 
take care of myself as well as the the issue at hand than just um, getting tunnel vision and and bite like a pit bull in order to somehow get out on top of it by 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 thinking I can fix it right you know right and I, I by thinking I can still um, make this work um, or or no it's it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine let's just uh, keep keep swimming let's keep swimming you know <laughs> um i think it would have been better to just say you know what no i need to right now look at this wrestle with this accept accept it and work out of that position what's next what what am i gonna do now right right so how do people get unstuck how What's the next step for people? Depends where they are. That would be my question to everybody who feels stuck. What do you think is needed in order to get you unstuck? You know, what do you think got you stuck? What was Nineveh? Mm. You know, uh, yeah. Questions, just good questions. Um, and we also will have another episode on this uh, with more of a coaching perspective and we will then look a little bit or talk a little bit more about what what does it mean to be stuck and and what is kind of like yeah a coaching approach to that so that's our story about how we got stuck in the belly of a whale and how it chewed us up and spit us out back into the us of a so we're excited to go with you guys on this adventure um, and we're going to invite you guys now to listen to our song called The Whale Song from Liz and the Lions. If you don't have time right now to listen to it, that's okay. You can pick it up on any place that you stream music or buy our album. But we just invite you to take a moment to think about areas in your life where you're feeling stuck and ask yourself some of these questions. What was Nineveh? What, what was I running from? And why did I end up where I am now? And um, yeah, be wild, be free, live as lions. <laughs>